Letter fifty two of Pamela, volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, volume two by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifty two from Miss Darnford to her father and mother. My ever honored papa and mamma. I arrived safely in London on Thursday after a tolerable journey, considering Deb and I made six in the coach, two having been taken up on the way after you left me, and none of the six highly agreeable. Mr. B. and his lady, who looks very stately upon us, from the circumstance of person, rather than of mind, however, were so good as to meet me at St. Albans in their coach and six. They have a fine house here, richly furnished in every part, and have allotted me the best apartment in it. We are happy beyond expression. Mr. B. is a charming husband, so easy, so pleased with, and so tender of his lady, and she so much all that we saw her in the country as to humility and affability, and improved in everything else which we hardly thought possible she could be, that I never knew so happy a matrimony. All that prerogative sauciness which we apprehended would so eminently display itself in his behavior to his wife, had she been ever so distinguished by birth and fortune, is vanished. I did not think it was in the power of an angel, if our sex could have produced one, to have made so tender and so fond a husband of Mr. B. as he makes." and should i have the sense to follow mrs b s example if ever i marry i should not despair of making myself happy let it be to whom it would provided he was not a brute nor sordid in his temper which two characters are too obvious to be concealed if persons take due care and make proper inquiries and if they are not led by blind passion may mr murray and miss nancy make just such a happy pair you commanded me, my honoured mamma, to write to you an account of everything that pleased me. I said I would, but what a task should I then have? I did not think I had undertaken to write volumes. You must therefore allow me to be more brief than I had intended. In the first place, it would take up five or six long letters to do justice to the economy observed in this happy family. You know that Mrs. B. has not changed one of her servants and only added her Polly to them. This is an unexampled thing, especially as they were her fellow-servants, as we may say, but since they have the sense to admire so good an example, and are proud to follow it each to his and her power, I think it one of her peculiar facilities to have continued them and to choose to reform such as were exceptionable rather than dismiss them. Their mouths, Deb tells me, are continually full of their ladies' praises and prayers and blessings, uttered with such delight and fervor for the happy pair, that it makes her eyes, she says, ready to run over to hear them. Moreover, I think it an extraordinary degree of policy, whether designed or not, to keep them, as they were all worthy folks. For had she turned them off, what had she done but made as many enemies as she had discarded servants, and as many more as those had friends and acquaintance? And we all know how much the reputation of families lies at the mercy of servants, and it is easy to guess to what cause each would have imputed his or her dismission.' 
and so she has escaped as she ought the censure of pride and made every one instead of reproaching her with her descent find those graces in her which turn that very disadvantage to her glory she is exceedingly affable always speaks to them with a smile but yet has such a dignity in her manner that it secures her their respect and reverence and they are ready to fly at a look and seem proud to have her commands to execute insomuch that the words my lady commands so or so from one servant to another are sure to meet with an indisputable obedience be the duty required what it will if any of them are the least indisposed her care and tenderness for them engage the veneration and gratitude of all the rest, who see how kindly they will be treated, should they ail anything themselves. And in all this she is very happy in Mrs. Jervis, who is an excellent second to her admirable lady, and is treated by her with as much respect and affection as if she was her mother. You may remember, madam, that in the account she gave us of her benevolent round, as Lady Davers calls it, she says that as she was going to London she should instruct Mrs. Jervis about some of her clients, as I find she calls her poor, to avoid a word which her delicacy accounts harsh with regard to them, and ostentatious with respect to herself. I asked her how, since contrary to her then expectation, Mrs. Jervis was permitted to be in town with her, she had provided to answer her intention as to those her clients whom she had referred to the care of that good woman. She said that Mr. Barlow, her apothecary, was a very worthy man, and she had given him a plenary power in that particular, and likewise desired him to recommend any new and worthy case to her that no deserving person among the destitute sick poor might be unrelieved by reason of her absence. And here in London she has applied herself to Dr. Blank, her parish minister, a fine preacher and sound divine, who promises on all opportunities to pay his respects to Mr. B., to recommend to her any poor housekeepers who would be glad to accept of some private benefactions, and yet, having lived creditably till reduced by misfortunes, are ashamed to apply for public relief, and she has several of these already on her benevolent list, to some of whom she sends coals now at the entrance on the wintry season, to some a piece of Irish or Scottish linen, or so many yards of Norwich stuff for gowns and coats for the girls, or Yorkshire cloth for the boys, and money to some, who, she is most assured, will lay it out with care. And she has, moreover, mortified, as the Scots call it, one hundred and fifty pounds, as a fund for loans, without interest, of five, ten, or fifteen, but not exceeding twenty pounds, to answer some present exigence in some honest families who find the best security they can to repay it in a given time. And this fund, she purposes, as she grows richer, she says, to increase, and estimates pleasantly her worth by this sum, saying sometimes, who would ever have thought I should have been worth one hundred and fifty pounds so soon? I shall be a rich body in time. But in all these things she enjoins secrecy, which the doctor has promised. She told the doctor what Mr. Adams's office is in her family, and hoped, she said, he would give her his sanction to it, assuring him that she thought it her duty to ask it, as she was one of his flock, and he, on that account, her principal shepherd, which made a spiritual relation between them, the requisites of which, on her part, were not to be dispensed with. 
The good gentleman very cheerfully and applaudingly gave his consent, and when she told him how well Mr. Adams was provided for, and that she would apply to him to supply her with a town chaplain when she was deprived of him, he wished that the other duties of his function, for he has a large parish, would permit him to be the happy person himself, saying that till she was supplied to her mind, either he or his curate would take care that so laudable a method should be kept up. You will do me the justice, madam, to believe that I very cheerfully join in my dear friend's Sunday duties, and I am not a little edified with the good example and the harmony and good will that this excellent method preserves in the family. I must own I never saw such a family of love in my life, for here under the eye of the best of mistresses they twice every Sunday see one another all together as they used to do in the country, superior as well as inferior servants, and Deb tells me after Mrs. B. and I are withdrawn there are such friendly salutations among them that she never heard the like. Your servant, good master Longman, your servant, master Colbrand, cries one and another. How do you do, John? I'm glad to see you, Abraham. All blessedly met once more, cries Jonathan, the venerable butler with his silver hairs, as Mrs. B. always distinguishes him. Good Madam Jervis, cries another. You look purely this blessed day, thank God. And they return to their several vocations, so light, so easy, so pleased, so even-tempered in their minds, as their cheerful countenances as well as expressions testify that it is a heaven of a house. And being wound up thus constantly once a week, at least like a good eight-day clock, no piece of machinery that ever was made is so regular and uniform as this family is. What an example does this dear lady set to all who see her, know her, and who hear of her, how happy they who have the grace to follow it! What a public blessing would such a mind as hers be, could it be vested with the robes of royalty, and adorn the sovereign dignity! But what are the princes of the earth? Look at them in every nation, and what they have been for ages past, compared to this lady, who acts from the impulses of her own heart, unaided in most cases by any human example. In short, when I contemplate her innumerable excellencies, and that sweetness of temper, and universal benevolence, which shine in everything she says and does, I cannot sometimes help looking upon her in the light of an angel." dropped down from heaven, and received into bodily organs to live among men and women, in order to show what the first of the species was designed to be. And here is the admiration that one sees all these duties performed in such an easy and pleasant manner, as anybody may perform them, for they interfere not with any parts of the family management, but rather aid and inspirit every one in the discharge of all their domestic services, and moreover keep their minds in a state of preparation for the more solemn duties of the day, and all without the least intermixture of affectation, enthusiasm, or ostentation. O oh, my dear papa and mamma, permit me but to tarry here till I am perfect in all these good lessons, and how happy shall I be! as to the town and the diversions of it i shall not trouble you with any accounts as from your former thorough knowledge of both you will want no information about them for generally speaking all who reside constantly in london allow that there is little other difference in the diversions of one winter and another than such as are in clothes 
a few variations of the fashions only which are mostly owing to the ingenious contrivances of persons who are to get their bread by diversifying them mrs b has undertaken to give lady davers an account of the matters as they pass and her sentiments on what she sees there must be something new in her observations because she is a stranger to these diversions and unbiased entirely by favour or prejudice and so will not play the partial critic but give to a beauty its due praise and to a fault its due censure according to that truth and nature which are the unerring guides of her actions as well as sentiments these i will transcribe for you and you'll be so good as to return them when perused because i will lend them as i used to do her letters to her good parents and so i shall give her a pleasure at the same time in the accommodating them with the knowledge of all that passes which she makes it a point of duty to do because they take delight in her writings my papa's observation that a woman never takes a journey but she forgets something is justified by me for with all my care i have left my diamond buckle which miss nancy will find in the inner till of my bureau wrapped up in cotton and i beg it may be sent me by the first opportunity with my humble duty to you both my dear indulgent papa and mamma thanks for the favour i now rejoice in and affectionate respects to miss nancy i wish she would love me as well as i love her and service to mr murray and all our good neighbours conclude me your dutiful and highly favoured daughter m darnford mr b and mrs b desire their compliments of congratulation to mr and mrs peters on the marriage of their worthy niece also to your honoured selves they desire their kind respects and thanks for the loan of your worthless daughter i experience every hour some new token of their politeness and affection and i make no scruple to think i am with such a brother and such a sister as any happy creature may rejoice in and be proud of mr b i cannot but repeat is a charming husband and a most polite gentleman his lady is always accusing herself to me of awkwardness and insufficiency but not a soul who sees her can find it out she is all genteel ease and the admiration of every one who beholds her only i tell her with such happiness in possession she is a little of the gravest sometimes End of letter fifty two